Yo guys, what if we all decided to play a little more? This is a Music Fit Podcast. Let's do this thing. Yo, you're now listening to the Music Fit Podcast. And if you keep on listening, you're going to learn how to bring that inner rock star out and level the F up both on and off the stage of life. I'm your host, the rock doctor, Mike Schwartz, and I empower musicians to become rock stars with the Music Fit Method. I'm an artist myself, and my true magic lays in holistic movement, nutrition, and mindset coaching. I'm known in the biz as the trusted authority of musician wellness. I get to chat with the gangsters that are changing the world in the health and wellness space and also get to chat with the artists and music industry professionals that are tuned in, you know, to get the inside on how they've conquered the biggest challenges of the rock star lifestyle. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. Yo, homies, got a banger, an absolute banger of a show here. I got the wonderful opportunity to sit down with Kristen Joy Davis colleague of mine in the Enlifted coaching community, really specializing with how language and the magic that it can create works with children. And she's got a new book out, so make sure you stay tuned right to the end of the show, even after the track. That's right, we got some uh, some goodies at the end. You want to stay tuned, all right? Here's the model of the day. Boom, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Kristen Joy Davis. My dog is losing it right now. He's like, what's happening, Dad? <laughs> this is, look at this. Look at this. It's so pumped. Yeah. He can't even hear it. It's my ears. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He's like, you're having a good time, Dad. Mm-hmm. Woo. Right, All right. Wow. Holy guacamole. Kristen Joy Davis. How are you my doing? Shorts. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, man. I'm doing real good now that we're chatting. Thank yeah. you so much for your patience. I know I was a minute behind, but I couldn't find the uh, couldn't find the button, the button to to press things. You the know? button disappeared. It just went like you know, we're gonna. We, I I just hooked up a new studio, so I'm still learning. I feel like I've never used tech before because like the the new MacBook M1 is just like light speed. It's just like oh geez, right? But uh. Zoom, all the settings had to like get reprogrammed and stuff. Oh. So it's been a challenging week for like getting the audio interface stuff all hooked up. So that's why we're here right now. I couldn't find the frigging button. And, and I still couldn't, <laughs> even when I brought you in, I still didn't have the button down. I was like, God no damn. buttons. <laughs> no, buttons. buttons Missing buttons. Down. Missing mm. buttons. Well, what's, what's been, uh, what's been new in the, uh, in the life and world. And the, I mean, we got so much to talk about here. Mm-hmm. What, tell me about your, tell me about your day. Let's start there. My day. Well, uh, usually on Fridays, Lance goes to work early. I'm up nice and early, like before six in the morning. So started the day nice and early. Um, and then on Fridays, Patty and I do a little, uh, Facebook YouTube show called Patty and Kristen in the morning afternoon edition. (laughs) Afternoon edition. Oh, that is, that is so you and Patty too. That makes so much sense. I love that. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So yeah, then that's about what I've done today. I kicking chatted it. with Patty. Yep. What did you guys talk it. about? 
Um, we use the book Go Live by Jeff Gitmer and do questions from there. So the question this week was favorite family vacation. Cool. Ooh, yeah. I want to play. Can I play? Okay. Okay. Fam- favorite family vacation. <laughs> My family only ever went to one place. Where? Elkwater, Alberta, Cypress mm-hmm. Hills. So it's a provincial park between two of our provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan. It's split. Mm-hmm. And we had this one spot in, it was a town, Elkwater, great fishing. And that's what it was. I, I later learned because like when you're a kid, you're just like, this is what everybody loves. No. Like mom didn't want to be there. Like she loved the lake, but she could do less with uh, like the, the camping aspect. She was, mm. she's a glamper for sure. Like, and now they do it right. Like they go hard. They love their glamping. Now they, they got a nice little trailer. They go with their friends and they make sure it's a good time. However, at this time, you know, early mid nineties, Elkwater, Alberta in a tent and mom wasn't impressed most no. of the time. No, no. <laughs> But she loved the water and there's this great lake. It was freezing cold, mm-hmm. but it was, it was the closest that she would get. My mom's a fish, right? So she'd get some swimming in, stay out on the beach. That was her, you know, retreat. So that brings back really great memories. And when we were really lucky, we went to the, to the lodge instead mm-hmm. of camping, we went to like the green tree motel. Ooh, I know sounds, sounds awesome. Cause it was. You know, my parents were, they were schmoozers. I, I realized my stuff. I was like, wow, this is cool. They, uh, I, I got, like, I got it from my mom and dad. They were, they were, they met the owners and then they became friends with the owners and then the, they're like best friends. So like, they, we got more, we got more <laughs> opportunities to be at the Green Tree Motel that way. So it's <laughs> a way kids. to do it. <laughs> right? So that's, that's really the only one that comes to mind. Favorite, favorite family vacation was Green Tree Motel. We, we would continually eat ice cream on the beach me and my sister Ooh, sounds nice so much fun yeah mm. anyway there you go i'm glad i, I can like play it. along thank you for yeah. letting me just play along i like forced my way <laughs> into that play. thanks for sharing <laughs> but into into your world my goodness mm. like so much excitement where do you want to start holy moly we got a new book mm-hmm. we got language ninjas work mm-hmm. we've got so much pirate stuff we could talk about it's <laughs> true it's uh, oh, man it's like it's, it's fascinating and exhausting just thinking about all the things that you do what, uh, tell me how did you i'm really interested in learning how you got into the language game mm. what what was the shift for you to get right into what you're currently doing now with all those things that i just listed in the new book and language ninjas and doing what you do that's a great question and um goes back a couple of years. Have you heard of training camp for the soul? I sure have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I, about two and a half years ago had not. Um, so my husband Lance listened to, um, Mike Bledsoe and on his podcast, and he was like, I want a life coach. So he reached out to Mike and Mike suggested training camp for the soul. He talked to a not Perry and had decided he wanted to do it. And she was like, I want to make sure that your wife, um, I want to talk with her. Like, so at minimum, she knows what you're going to be doing when you go through this. So it took me a little while to fill out the form, but I got on the call, talked with a knot and I was like, okay, I have to do this. Um, she had me, <laughs> she had, like, I knew I'm talking to her and I'm like, this, this has to happen. And 
when I said this has to happen, it was largely because Lance had so many great big goals and ideas of what he wanted to do. And I'm like, I need to get out of my way so I can help support him. And so that's what I went into training camp for the soul. Like I knew it was going to be good for me and I was wanting to get out of my way to support him. I went and at that time it was in a cabin in the woods in Idlewild, California, six days immersed with strangers, (laughs) getting everything out of the way. And, um, While I was there, first met Mark England. He was there observing at the time. So came across him and started getting introduced to identity work, which want to hear a quick funny story about when I met him. Yeah. Um, So when we get to the cabin, I didn't know what I was into really. I barely dug into what is training camp for the soul. I knew there would be people I didn't know. Um, I knew we were going to be digging into stuff. So I'm trying to figure out why there's more than six people there, who everybody is, what they're doing. And there's this guy that's like, can I tell you some pirate jokes? <laughs> so <laughs> turns out that was Mark England. Um, And so he told some pirate jokes and later on, um, we were packing, unpacking our things, things in our room. And Lance is like, I'm I'm freaking out. There's two people that I look up to upstairs. And I was like, okay, Mike Bledsoe, who's the other one? He's like, Mark England. It's like, who is Mark England? And then I went, that guy up there telling pirate jokes. (laughs) Like that's the guy you were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) pirate joke guy Uh that's the guy so um (laughs) at the end of the time anyway at training camp I realized like I needed to get out of my own way um that's why I needed to be there so I moved through a bunch of things which biggest one was like if I ran into myself three years ago the me from three years ago I don't know if I'd even fully recognize who I was, um, very much in a shell, um, didn't speak much at all. Like only spoke if I usually held a lot of things inside and then they'd explode out of me. Mm. And in that, um, so I learned how to start using my voice and I realized my voice was something very important to me and how it was going to help me move forward. And so after I realized I have to step up, I needed to step out of my own way for me. Um, I started taking, like I, I got introduced to vocabulary and the language work. And I also got introduced to nonviolent communication and ate it all up because like, I, I need this, like, this is what I haven't had for so much of my life. And, um, between nonviolent communication and vocabulary, um, I was like, uh, I had a huge shift in my brain where all of a sudden I realized the boundaries that I was having a hard time figuring out, like in training camp, we got taught a lot about boundaries. I was like, I, I think I'm doing these. And I realized I wasn't doing any of them in my head because I gave all my power away. Um, And my, my favorite story of when I realized that was, um, I was at work and in the morning I would be talking with one of my coworkers and part of bonding was being like, Oh, can you believe this thing? And most of it was like, we're working so much and we're so tired and they don't care. And they don't realize that we have lives outside of work and they, this, and I, one day stopped and I asked myself, 
who is this they? Like, I assumed the they was my two bosses because two people. And when I asked myself, who is they? No one came to mind. Like, it was this all-knowing power outside they. of me that they, that was looking down on me and like, you can't do this. Nobody cares. Like, they, I'm here to ruin your life. And once that, that hit me, all of a sudden I was able to start realizing I can put boundaries in place in my head. Like if they're not respecting my boundaries, I'm not respecting my boundaries. I'm not telling anybody that I have an appointment at four o'clock and I need to be off by this time. So it, it, yeah, it was a huge shift for me and really helped me to open up and start sharing all the things that were coming up without fighting with people too. Cause that was the thing <laughs> like I would bottle it up, bottle, bottle and explode. And so, wow. yeah, it, it was. How did that? There's so much there. That's, that's fantastic to have that revelation. How did that impact the relationships that you were, that you were in uh, at the time with, with, with Lance, with, uh, um, with work, with the colleagues, what, what happened? Was there any resistance? Was there acceptance? What was, what was that all like? So the work one, um, work one ended up being a fun realization about a year later, I went on my review from my boss, but she and I, um, the way we worked, like we worked really well until there was something that bothered like both of us built up and then if I came to her and was like this thing I'm not a fan of she'd yell at me so then I'd yell at her and we'd start yelling and like and she wouldn't even pull me into her office like it would be this thing that would be out in front so if a parent came in with their kids we'd be like okay you have to stop this and then it'd start up again and it was like we I could usually be like I need to go I need to go get to my to go to my class do my job and then later we'd see each other and we'd be like we'd be okay but it was like it, it was a lot of that um and she I'm pretty sure had written on my review that I didn't speak up really for what I wanted so a year later we sat down for a review and she wrote on there that I was um, doing a lot better at speaking up for what I need and what I want in that moment, instead of <laughs> coming later and being like, no, <laughs> I don't no. like this. No, and uh... so that really stuck out there. Whereas like, okay, I, it's been noticed. Um, it also helped with coworkers. It was interesting because with coworkers, I started asking different questions instead of complaining. I was like, well, now I don't have a lot to talk about. So I didn't do as much talking but when we did talk I would ask questions I'd be like so if you weren't working here like if they started to complain about something like if you could do whatever just keep keeping in mind anything whatever you wanted to do what what would you do or before you worked here what did you want to do and so I would ask those questions of people and we'd get some better conversations that would happen in the morning instead of the complainings may have led to a few people deciding to quit their job after <laughs> like after thinking about it and better for them too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and and how much how much of that do you find like in especially in your field being being teacher, right? Mhm. Mm in in education, how many how many conversations like you said a lot of those conversations you were bonding over like gossip and hate. Mm -hmm. How did that make you like what did you feel how did you feel at the end of the day? 
so tired. Yeah. Like I was, I was coming home drained, um, would plop on the couch. I had no energy at all and just would not, wouldn't be able to move for about an hour or so. So wow. yeah, it was very exhausting. And, and how many people do you think are just sleepwalking through that? Like where they're not being asked those questions, like mm-hmm. good, good on you for asking those questions. Cause you got people out of their own way to be like, you know what? I'm actually not happy being here. So peace. How many people do you think, like, do you think that's a, a thing in society right now? I, you know, I think it's starting to become more a thing, um, this last couple of years, but typically like out in the general pop population. No, no. <laughs> what in the last two years, you say, what, mm-hmm. what, what's changed in the last two years for, for people coming awakening to this? I think for me, what a lot of it I've noticed is like, especially at the beginning with COVID, um, many people had to, got to start questioning. Um, we didn't know, um, over here in Oregon, when the shelter, shelter in place went in, um, we didn't know what that meant or how long that would go or to what extreme. And there was a good eight weeks in there where it was like, you, everybody stop, like uh, everyone that, except unless you were the essential workers, everyone's staying at home, working remotely and not knowing what was going to happen. So there was a good chance to really dig in and be like, what, what do I want? Is this what I want? And yeah, for me, I was, I knew I wanted to be done with my job. Um, I had plans to finish out my school, school year with, with my kids. And then I was going to be done. And then all of my kids went and stayed at home and I was still working. So, and, and a whole bunch of my coworkers got laid off um, because we didn't have a lot of kids in the center. So it's like, do I keep my job where I know I have a steady income or do I follow what my heart has been screaming at me for a few years now and quit and now start focusing more on working with people that have kids in their lives. What, what was it when we first made that realization and how has it transformed over, over the past year or so? Um, when I, so when I very first knew I was coming to an end with teaching was soon after training camp for the soul. I was like, I, I could see though, um, how me taking care of myself really changed how my teaching went. So I wanted one good year of me really being able to use what all the tools I'd been given in a classroom. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have my best year ever and, um, be able to use these tools with the, with my students. So I, I did, I had a lot of fun getting to do affirmations with them and, um, using, I was like using the tools I had for calming myself so that I had far fewer moments of being like, no, just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there was, and, and when I did have those moments of no, just listen to me, I was also more often able to stop myself and be like, why am I arguing with a child? Oh, because I haven't been listening to myself. Okay. <laughs> so, so I had, had a little more awareness of what was going on. Um, yeah. So I, I got to have at least most of that year getting to work with the kids. And then 
we all got thrown a big giant unknown uh, and, <laughs> and no closure to the year. So we did the, the best that we could with it. Um, I made a little virtual graduation for my class <laughs> and sent it Ooh. to them with, I made little characters of them and got them, they got to virtually graduate. So. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. That's so fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working with five-year-olds does keeps the fun in your life. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, it's like basically me, uh, just a bigger version of me. Like I, I absolutely love, like if we could all just take some more lessons from kids and how free mm-hmm. is the river they are. Like, it's just, it's mind blowing. Cause it's like arts and crafts play. Mm-hmm. You, know, you take, like, take it in, go like, okay, cool. And then carry on. Like, it's just like, they just bounce. It's, it's yeah. impressive. It's so cool to be like, wow, they didn't hold on to that at all. Like they hurt themselves. They got up, dust themselves off. And now they're playing again. Like it's yeah. wild. Right? A lot of times they're looking for a reaction too. Like if they, they get their reaction, that's like, oh no, are you okay? Then you, the tears are more likely to start after that. If you watch, um, watch kids with their parents. And if there's a delayed reaction, um, from them after they fall they because the kids will turn and look at the adults in their life and be like how do I react now and if the adult is like oh hey you fell and brought like good job (laughs) carry on they usually get up and start right back into what they're doing but if the adult is like oh no and catching their breath then then they realize oh there's something i should be afraid of or scared of and the tears will start oh, so it's it's man. very interesting to watch oh how did you come across that how did you like that that seems that's so observant and now i'm like oh wow i want to watch <laughs> kids and just see i want to see that dynamic how did you come across that first one of the first times i remember noticing it was with my first nephew he was um, walking around with a cart. And so he's the only child in the room with a whole bunch of adults. And he's walking with a cart, going around, pushing it. And he fell. And most of us were watching. We're like trying to see if he's how, how he's going to react. And my mom and his, his mom, my sister-in-law both went, <gasps> And they went rushing toward him. And then he started crying. And, and so that was the first time I started thinking like, oh, that's interesting because he was okay until he got that reaction. And then I had a few friends that as they were having kids, um, they would, if their kid fell, they started watching their own child and they'd um, be like, oh, are they going to, how are they going to react to this fall? And they'd take a long enough chance to see how they were reacting. And if there were no tears, they'd and their child's looking over at them. They're like, all right, good job. Like you did, you did well. Like you, you had a fall and you did well, it's okay. And they'd usually be fine and move along and be like, okay, this is good. (laughs) So yeah, it was interesting to start catching on to. I wonder if the same thing works for soccer players. Hmm. Cause you see that go down, clutching their arm, waiting for a reaction. If we do (laughs) All right, you fell down. Get right. back up. Go get a goal. He'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. I could." There's, there's a lot of falling in soccer. <laughs> well, let's. That's a really interesting. You know, both of us. You know, being in in the unlifted coaching community, that's a very fascinating uh, piece of information. I, I I believe anyway is mm. uh, unknown to most public, right? Especially parents. That's that's mm. valuable information because one of the things you know, uh, my crew, a lot of them are parents. 
And one of their biggest fears, especially when we start working language is like, well, how will this affect, can I get my kid into this? Um, mm -hmm. And when we talk about language ninjas and the work that you're doing with that, what, what's one, one, one or two gold tips for mm. parents that want to help manage the emotions of the kid? Because it sounds like that kid is looking to see, like we can help dictate whether that's a fear response or if that's an mm. okay response, just based off of like the body language that we're giving them as adults. Mm -hmm. what's are there any tips that you can you can share with with folks that are experiencing that with their own kids or maybe other mm -hmm. teachers out there yeah yeah and first to the one thing the first thing you said with parents wondering like will this work with my kids um in my opinion uh, this is one of the most effective things you can do with your kids right away seeing changes and that's um like changing changing how you talk with them and then changing your breath so yes, this, the language work will absolutely work with your kids. Um, and they are, they're watching. So when to give a little story on how I realized language, language works with kids. I had a little boy in my class um, one year who was diagnosed with ADHD and autism. He was very low on ver being able to verbalize what he was able to say, like smart, little smart guy, <laughs> very spunky guy. Yeah. Um, and yet he couldn't speak what he wanted to say. So that meant like also for him potentially understanding what I'm saying is going to be coming through different. And so he had an aide that would come and help me about once or twice a week. And I was telling her some of my frustrations one day. And she was like, all right, I want you to let me take you on a journey for a second. She's like, imagine you're in driver's training, you're in a car driving for the first time. And there are all these stimulants going on around you. And all of a sudden your instructor yells at you, don't turn left. And she looked at me and she's like, what are you going to do? And I laughed because I was like, I'm going to be turning left. And cause that's what I just heard. And she's like, yeah. So if you're yelling, don't hit, don't run, don't bite. He's hearing do, do, do these things. Um, because all he's really hearing is that last phrase. So like fight, <laughs> run. Wow. Um, so with that, uh, she told me like, be very direct on what you want. So if he's going down the slide uh, or not going down the slide, climbing up the slide, you say, we go down the slide and up the stairs. And I, it was so repetitive too. like go down the slide up the stairs. And it stuck with me for all the years I had of teaching after that. So kids, every single kid, it was working great with, because instead of telling them what I didn't want, I was telling them what I did. So like, if they'd run in the classroom, there was one time where I paused them and I'm like, all right, so running's the one thing I say no to in the classroom. Like we can do that outside, but I want to tell you all the things we can do instead of running. <laughs> so we, I was like, we can silly walk, we can skip, we can do like, I took them on a little journey through the classroom of all these different ways we could move about the classroom runnings for outside. <laughs> so, wow. so in that too, with like, when we're saying don't do something, we're usually focused on one thing. Don't yell, don't bite, don't hit, don't talk to me like that. And so now we're focused on this one very specific 
thing not to do and missing all of the options of what you can do. So when using the language work, you're taking off the blinders of what not to do and opening up to all the things that can be done instead. So um, like, even if you're redirecting to say walk inside, well, walking can be fun because you could tiptoe. <laughs> you could, I mean, I didn't say you can't walk like a ninja or walk like a tiger. Like there's all Egyptian, kinds of walking. Right? Yeah. An Egyptian. <laughs> so you have a lot of options now versus being very focused on that one thing I don't want you doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And, and when I was I, I realized too, like when I was saying no, it was in my chest. It was stressful. Like it stressed me out to tell them no. Yeah. But if I came up with a, this is what you can do. That was relaxing. I'm like you can climb up the stairs and go down the slide. Um, so it was more relaxing to say it in a yes format than in the no. That's fantastic. And mm -hmm. how did that translate to you? You mentioned you, you, just a, a little, little sprinkle there, like how mm. you felt. So how did that transfer to the end of the day? Cause how many, how many classes did you have in a day? Well, I had just the five-year-olds. Okay. However, I had a lot of hats within there. So right. I, I opened the center. I brought older kids to school, taught yeah. my five-year-olds and did other things. Um, so yeah, I, I get home from the end of the day and because teachers do have a lot that goes on during the day, it still is tiring, but I got home with a lot more energy. So I could come home and do more things. Like I wasn't going straight to the couch. Instead, I might do yoga or have energy to think about what I want to start making for dinner or like if Lance was home before me, actually be in a good mood to see him instead of being like, oh, <laughs> I'm so tired. Don't oh, talk man. to me. Yeah. How does that translate to having conversations with adults? Can we have those same, you said a couple of things that stood out to me, direct, mm -hmm. affirming what you do want rather than what we're focused on that one to open up the opportunity to give us more of a feeling of, oh, wow, I've got so many options. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Does it translate to adults? Does it work with colleagues? Does it work with uh, our, our adult relationships, our significant others? Does like, what's the translation there? It, yeah, it's, it does work. Um, and going back to, you had asked like how the conversations with Lance, once I started getting into language um, went. And when I was starting to use what I do want with him, um, we were able to talk a lot more fluidly with each other. Like I was able to, instead of saying like, I don't want this or that, um, I was able to say like, this is what I do want. And he would start encouraging me to being like, Hey, um, I want to hear what you want. Um, I want to hear the things that you want to do that you think are fun. So I, in the finding my voice, I had had many, many years of people pleasing for the sake of making my, what I thought was making my life easier. You want to do this? Okay, let's go do that. You want to do that? Okay, cool. And I first off didn't realize people actually cared what I wanted to do. 
Wow. And they also didn't, I didn't realize that like me not speaking into what I wanted meant I was creating resentments within myself. And so that creates resentments with your relationships. So when I was able to say what I did want, um, a lot of my friends were very appreciative of the fact that like, Hey, I'm hearing what you do want to do. Thank you. I mean, my boss and I got along a lot that we got along pretty well anyhow, but we got along without fights after I was able to start saying what I did want. And I realized speaking into it sooner rather than later was more important too. Um, and, and there, I realized too, like there are areas with where what's called withheld, withheld communication. So there's some things where it's like, this bothered me, but is this my thing that was, I was bothered by that was a small deal or is this something that affects our relationship that I need to speak into? So it, yeah, it was very helpful to be using this work. It, it translates very well with adults and kids and the more adults um, are speaking to each other in what they do want. And then the affirmative first, it creates more open relationships. And then when kids are seeing that they're taking it and they're using that too. So I'm mm. like, if you're seeing you saying what you do want now, they know how to express what they want instead of being like, I don't want this. I don't want this or that. Now they have more tools because they've been able to watch the adults in their lives to use them to start saying what they do want as well. It's, it's fascinating to me just to watch how, how parity the, <laughs> the parent parrot, the parent, right? How mm-hmm. kids will just model. And, and I think a lot of us are blind to that. Like how much is really hung on? Like, where did mm-hmm. you get that? Well, they watched you one time. Yeah. It's just stuck. Right. Imagine that pattern just going and going and going. And that's a habitual use of your word of don't, 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 don't. What does that kid ever think of all the things not to do? Uh-huh. The self-worth has to be in question. Right. So yeah, very interesting. You said something very interesting too. Mm-hmm. I'd love to just dive a little further in. Cause I know this comes up in conversation in, in my world too. Mm-hmm. Withheld communication. I've, uh, I've yet to hear it explained that way. Do you have an example for, for that, where, where mm-hmm. we would be able to share when it is appropriate to, um, hold back that communication? Cause I, I, the reason I bring it up is that a lot of the folks that listen to the show are musicians and, um, the throat chakra is our communication energy mm-hmm. center, right? And they, we, we see a lot of soreness in the neck, in the traps. And a lot of that comes back to the feeling of not being able to say something. So mm-hmm. I feel that, that that conversation right then, what is a time that could be withheld to sort out your own proverbial shit mm-hmm. uh, before you bring that into another conversation and potentially ignite another roller coaster of emotion? So one example that that's um, the easiest for me to use is thinking of like taking out the trash. So, cause that's, that's one of those good, especially in a married <laughs> or partnership um, where it's like the trash can be something that could be a pain for some people. And so say I'm the trash is full and I had some 
we'll, we'll pretend this is Lance's job. Like Lance's job is to take out the trash. We, we don't assign things in this house, but if we did <laughs> for, for the example, yeah. it's his, his family household job to take out the trash and the trash is full. And I see it's full. I see him throw something away and not take out the trash. And I, I, I notice, I observe, um, and I get to like, pay attention to my emotions in that, like, okay, I'm annoyed. He did not take out the trash. And I could in that moment go to him and be like, you didn't take out the trash. You just put something in there and then you didn't take it out with, with held communication. Um, instead of saying, Hey, you did this and I'm now annoyed. Um, giving myself the chance to process. And then, so there, there is a rule of three for some things. And at other times I'll, I'll get into like, it doesn't have to be three, but the rule of three for something, say the trash, which can be smaller is it happens once I observe it happens a second time. Okay, now I see, am I reacting the same way or is it different? Have I relaxed to this? Then it's okay. So by the third time I could be like, it's not a big deal. I'll take out the trash. I don't mind. Or by the third time, I'm still annoyed. Like this has happened again. I keep having to be the one to take out the trash as the he's putting trash in there and it's overflowing. Um, now I go and I say, Hey, I need to talk or I want to talk. Um, and first checking to make sure, is this an okay time? Like, Hey, there's something that's coming up for me. Is this an okay time to talk? Because a lot of times what we tend to do as humans is dump, be like, hi person, let me dump everything onto you. And like, that's verbal vomit. (laughs) So like, I'm going to take all my problems of the day and push them onto you because I need them out of me. Let me push them onto you, which work gossip is a good example of that. And instead you say, Hey, can I have a moment to talk? Um, And if they say, no, not right now, I'm in the middle of something. Okay. When, when is a good time? And if they, they say, yes, Um, I can talk right now. All right. So last Tuesday, you didn't, I saw you put the, the trash, like didn't take care of the trash and you threw it in something away and it's overflowing already. And it happened. It happened again, a couple more times. So now there's, um, you get to, you do some word stuff and be like, all right, I noticed you did this. I felt annoyed. I imagine that you're busy. A lot of things are going on. And for me, like I felt that because this is your job, um, that you were ignoring it and trying to pass it off on somebody else. So withheld communication is a way of diffusing that bomb um, and bringing both people into the conversation at a more even even level emotional space. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if there's something in the moment that is bigger, again, asking to check, like, say there's one bigger thing that happened you're like, oh, I need to talk about this. But checking in first, like, hey, there's something that's coming up for me. That's I'm it's it's hard broaching it too with like, this is a hard conversation. This is hard for me to say. 
helps um, put vulnerability out there. So the listener is more able to hear too what's coming. But hey, do you have a moment to talk about this? If not right now, when can we? And then from there, it makes it a lot easier to hear what the other person's saying. And also as a speaker, you've already opened up the vulnerability. And Lance and I have had some tough conversations that using that have helped. Like after training camp for the soul, be completely vulnerable and open, honest. We had a few conversations where we were talking about potentially not staying together. And that was hard for me, but the way Lance was able to come to me with withheld communication, even though it was hard for me to hear, we were able to talk about it, which a year or so before that would have been a fight. In fact, we'd had a a fight like that before training camp. Um, So, and because we're able to use that communication, we're now on better speaking terms. We're like able to communicate with what we want. And we've realized what our biggest hurdle was, was the fact that we weren't communicating well together. So. Wow. Yeah. That for, for all aspects, you know, for, for the general audience here being music geared, music focused, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of those, those relationship and power dynamics, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's an agent to a band or a, a band leader and the band mates, there's a lot of stuff there. We're just, the vulnerability piece that you said was that, that turned my head for sure, because how important is putting yourself out there and becoming vulnerable for, like you said, having those tougher conversations, what, what's the alternate? If you come in, what, what is that person feeling? What did you feel? Have you ever been in that situation where it hasn't been like, you know, you you feel almost attacked or what is it for you? Well, there's a, almost a joke, but you know, the phrase like, Hey, can we talk or Hey, we need to talk. When you hear somebody come to you and say that, like, how do you, how do you feel when you hear that or, or see in a text that phrase, like, Hey, we need to talk. I'll run from that for sure. (laughs) No, no, we don't. I'm going to, I'm going to go this way. You can talk like uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we need to talk at all. It's Mm -hmm. I need to talk to you. You need to listen. Yeah. It feels like I'm, I go back to like my child, like Mm -hmm. me me as a kid uh, going like I'm in trouble. Uh Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like a sinking feeling in my gut, like a, uh, what I do, what's wrong. Yeah. I feel the shoulders for sure. Uh-huh. Like shoulders go like this. Actually, I, 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 I'll have to watch the tape back, but I'm pretty sure when you said that I did this, like I turtled, <laughs> I went like, Kirk, ah, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes that phrase doesn't, isn't bad at all. Like somebody's like, Hey, I want to talk to you. We need to talk. But because we, yeah, it's associated with like that. No, I don't want to. If somebody comes to you and is like, we, I need to talk. There's that sinking feeling. So coming and yeah, allowing that vulnerability in the, um, I, I would like to talk to you about something I've noticed. Um, do you have some time to talk? Like when Lance uses that with me, I still get a little bit of the sinking feeling, but it's not as bad as like, I, we need to talk like that one. I'm like, mm, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no, I'm busy forever. <laughs> right? yep. Amazing. Okay. And how did, okay. So we went on a, that was a great journey. 
so vulnerability key for conflict resolution key for relationship dynamics key for just being able to and and you've got a really nice system of that with withheld communication um how, does that work with kids because i mean that's where you're primarily like that's your focus correct mm-hmm. like that's where you're primarily using the the language work and primarily using this how does that work does the kids still mm. get that I, yeah, they, I would think they should. I would, um, cause if we think about it, I'm trying to think if I've ever used it like that, um, how a lot of times adults, I think because we can be triggered so quickly by kids seeing those mirrors, I, what my guess is, is it's our inner children being triggered by their child, child. (laughs) And it's like the inner child's coming out and like, no, I need to fight back. And so that's, um, where the explosion of like, I need you to listen to me or you're not doing what I want comes from, because as adults, it's really easy to go about your day and just push, push this thing away, push it down. I've got a million other tasks I need to do. This one is going to wait. So kids are, they're first off, they're seeing what we're doing and mirroring it. And then they're also reflections to us um, of what (laughs) areas where we um, need to work on. And so as I, I imagine not being a parent myself, but I have taught many kids, I imagine with parents, um, when they're getting triggered by their kids, it's really getting that, like the shadow side of something that they, that they don't want to look at in themselves, that their child is reflecting to them. And that's, so that's where the big, like, I need to deal with this now. So adults tend to look at children because they're small as something that they can, just quickly deal with, or, you know, I need to push, push this aside and I'm going to yell. However, if another adults were to yell at another adult, it'd turn into a yelling match and you wouldn't be happy with that person yelling back at you, but we're okay with doing that to the small children in our lives because they're not adults. So if they're yelling at me, not to, and I tell them not to yell at me, but I yell it at them, like we're continuously mirroring to them. Um, what we don't want in that. So for the communication part, what helped me a lot as a teacher was more, more in my breath and in my body language that I was showing to them. So if something came up where it's like, I'm getting frustrated, if I could stop and take a breath and sometimes, sometimes it would help. And sometimes it, it didn't initially But if like with my class, if we were sitting during circle time, I could usually talk with them too and be like, all right, I'm frustrated right now. And I'm so, because I'm frustrated, I want us to breathe and I want us to practice. Like we're going to do five finger breathing where you breathe in and out and in and out, or come up with something we're going to do. And I'll tell them like, I'm feeling frustrated. So I want to do this. I would like you to join me. And then afterward be like, okay, I'm feeling better now (laughs) and now we can move on. So I took it more with being more open with them about my, my emotions, um, and how I was choosing to move through them. 
making sure to apologize because sometimes adults do things like yell in a time when maybe yelling wasn't necessary, but it was my emotion that was coming out at that time and letting, letting them know I was human. I am human. So <laughs> and still, yeah, still are still, super still. human. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so for, with them, communication and being open right away works so well because they, you know, they, their life, they're learning so many new things all the time. And so with withholding, um, teaching them withheld communications, great teaching, like, and that could help with teaching them consent and things like that too, because they do need to know that just because somebody is bigger than them doesn't mean that they get to be talking to them certain ways or treating them certain ways. So yeah, helping them know, like teaching them so that they can have that autonomy, that independence, and also learning how to navigate in the world. Um, it was open communication that was most helpful to me, like telling the kids what's going on. If you're clear with your intentions and you're clear with your emotions, mm. generally speaking, kid or adult, that other side is gonna is more willing to listen. That's what I've mm -hmm. taken back. It sounds like in your experience, that's that's been the example. And imagine a world where we all just listened more, like to the other people mm -hmm. that, are, that are having these things. What a world we would live in, right? Like we'd we'd be so much more productive. It sounds like it's with with your your relationship with Lance. It sounds like it's really helped that bridge up when there are disputes because that's the thing mm -hmm. with any kind of relationship. It's a, a, in a partnership, a relationship, a business relationship, anything that you're gonna have. That's a good sign. You know, you're passionate about that topic, mm -hmm. right? And to understand that we can still have a conversation rather than an argument that's that's revolutionary for a lot mm -hmm. of folks especially in the entertainment industry because it's like there's the the talent buyer then there's the hierarchy and there's the power dynamics and in order to get that like i love this whole philosophy of like treating everybody like children really because yeah. that's because if we did we are all kids ourselves mm -hmm. and i've talked to a lot of parents like my even my brother like and Zane, no, don't do this. Like with my nephew, no, Zane, he's just a renegade. <laughs> he's doing that shit just to get the attention, right? And I'm like, yeah, let me let me have a crack. Hey, Zane, can you put the bocce ball in the basket? And like before the words got out of my mouth, but ball was in the basket. Zane, <laughs> how fast do you think you could get the rest of it before he's zipping around, putting them all in there? There you go, Uncle Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Zane. Let's go eat dinner. Let's go. All right, buddy. Mm -hmm. right? Do you find, do you find reward system is uh, like when you've got, when you've got a child doing something mm -hmm. that's um, causing you that frustration when we get them, you know, in their time out and, and what's, what's the reward system? How, how do we show that that's the behavior we want? Mm. Um, praise is huge. I mean, I love praise as an adult too, <laughs> yeah. praise yeah. and like, Hey, I really like the way you, um, you did that. So like with my class, um, five-year-olds had a hard time. A lot of them had a hard time getting their coats on by themselves without help, which meant I had 10 five-year-olds all at me at once going, I need help. So I was teaching them to try three times on their own before they'd come to me. Um, so like try three times 
And if after that third time, you're still having a hard time, you come to me and then I will, you ask for help and then I will help you. Um, what ended up happening was a lot of them would realize by the second try, they could do it. And then they'd come over, um, and be like, Hey, I got my coat on by myself and be like, high five way to go. So they'd get that praise and they'd get excited by it. Or if after that third time, they still needed, um, help, they'd come over and they'd ask if they started with like, I need help still. Okay. We're going to, we're going to ask. And I would walk them through it too. And I'd be like, I tried, I tried really hard and now I could use some help. And so they'd say it with me. I'm like, okay, I will help you now. And so I'd zip up their coat and then we'd still high five and be like, yeah, good job. You tried, you did try really hard and I'm going to help you now. So no matter what the outcome was, they were getting praise and reinforcement on like, Hey, good job. You did do that on your own or good job. You were trying and you put in a really great effort and you came and you asked me really nicely. So yay on all of those. And so praise is so helpful. Like when kids would be running around, um, like, I need you sitting here quietly, but they're running around looking for that one thing you really like that they were doing. Like, Hey, you're doing a really good job of moving your bodies. <laughs> now yeah. I'd like you to calm your bodies. I need you to yeah. sit so we can go outside. Um, so yeah, finding the positive on it. It's so that they can still hear that praise. So they hear in there what it is that they want, they want from you. Because when, yeah, without that praise and, you know, hearing all that, I don't want, I don't want our inner voices are getting formed in those early years by hearing what everybody's saying. And so if it's like, don't do this, I don't like that. Don't talk to me like that. And then like, think about your inner voice when that critic is loud. It's like, you can't do anything right. You don't know what you're doing. Everybody knows better than you. Um, if we can start getting them to realize those areas where they're doing things great and they're listening and they're following directions, they're going to do it more often. And those inner voices that are like, I can't do this. Nothing's going right. There's, there's going to be a better, like, they're going to be able to hear that inner voice a lot easier and be like, you are wrong. <laughs> I actually mm. did this right. Just, just a minute ago. And I got praise for it too. So, yeah. Well, and it, it sounds like to, to come back to the amplifier situation, everything goes to 11 over here. We want to turn up that inner rock star and then mm -hmm. quiet, quiet that critic, the one that, that's giving you all the shit, right? And like the dial that one back down to a one to a two, mm -hmm. bring, the, bring the gain up on your rock star. And it sounds like from, from what you just said, a lot of this comes from the actual adult. It sounds like adults working on themselves, working mm -hmm. on their inner stories. Um, that's going to be transformative for the kids, the next generation. Do you want to, mm -hmm. do you want to add to that? Do you want is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Um, and to add to that in the years of zero to seven, our kids are, they, they say they're in a hypnosis state, they being experts, <laughs> the people yeah. that the psychologists, um, that, world. Uh, um, those days. And so there's a saying that kids are more in like this whole hypnosis state. They're forming their identity at this point. So in zero to seven, what they're seeing from the adults in their lives, they're going to be able to take these things and use them as 
they're Legos to build with as an adult. So, and those, those could look any way from like, you're not doing what I want you to do. Well, I've got this brick now that I, I know how these adults don't want me to work. I'm going to put this in my belt and use it over here. Or if you're hearing like, I, I do like this. I do like how you're doing, I, how you're working so hard. I like how you listened while I was talking. So anything that we're taught, there's your, your building, you're, you're getting your, your Legos to build your house. And those tools could be faulty or they could be very strong. Um, so if the adults are working and showing kids like, I'm calm and I'm using my breath to be calm. I'm using my words to tell you what I would like, what they're hearing and what they're seeing that they're able to take and have use those tools for their, their adult lives and growing up. So after seven, that identity is starting to has formed more and they're starting to figure out who they are in the world. So what they've gained in those first seven years are what they're going to start building. Their foundation is building on that. And so, yeah, if we're as adults working on ourselves and showing them like, I, I'm, this, I'm breathing well, I'm breathing low, I'm breathing slow, I'm relaxed in my chest. I'm saying, I'm, I, I'm smiling because I'm able to tell you what I want. I'm being free in my communication. Like there can be oversharing, but you know, there's still like, we're all human. We're gonna, we're learning. Um, what we can, the more we work on ourselves, the more the kids are learning and growing and able to use in their own toolbox. So for me and why I really am focused on, I wanna work with the adults who have kids in their lives particularly parents and teachers are also people I love to work with. Um, the reason why I want to work with them is because they're giving the kids the tools and then they don't become 36 year olds going to training camp, learning for the first time, how to use their voice. Like I, I want these kids to be able to find their voice while their identity is forming. I want them to have that free expression, to be able to believe that they can do whatever they want and go out into the world and do it. So wow. that's, that's, that's my goal. <laughs> you, uh, you're putting so much goodness out into the world. This is, uh, this is fantastic. Now, I know you've wrapped that up into this amazing, amazing book that I'm very excited to get my copy on care to share what, what made you want to write a book? And, and can you give us some details about mm -hmm. what, what it's all about and where people mm -hmm. can find it all, all the goods let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, so the original back to like what, why I wrote the book initially when I was going through vocabulary, funny thing is, is like for the first time in my life, um, first off, I was able to see what I wanted beyond dinner. So like with goal setting, you know, those, that client that's like, I don't know what I want in five years from now, because I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. How am I going to know five years? Yeah. That was me. I was a stereotypical okay. person. Okay. <laughs> and, Got it. Got it. and so after um, I started moving all of those old stories out and I'm learning about my words, I 
first off, I'm driving the school bus, like a little, it's a little 14 passenger bus. I'm driving. The kids had all been dropped off. I'm by myself. And all of a sudden got an image of a book cover in my head. And my name was on it. Like it said, Abracadabra by Kristen Joy Davis. And I'm like, okay, well, but, and I knew this also had something to do like this is like vocabulary because Mark would always be like, abracadabra. Hey kids, do you like magic? (laughs) Like your words can be like magic you create with your words. So I had been using that with my class. So I knew it was vocabulary related too. And I reached out and I was like, Hey, have you ever thought of writing a book for kids? I'm totally trying to pass off this book that I had had an image in my mind of too. I'm like, give it to somebody else. And he's like, you know what? That's a great idea. How about you write or write it (laughs) and show me what you've got. And so I wrote a rough draft and I sent it over. And then like, I had some encouragement along the way, actually a lot of encouragement along the way, which is what got me going. It got me started. And with vocabulary, I was like, goal setting is something you do. I will write a rough draft by this date and time. I have no idea if that's a long amount of time or a short amount of time, but I'm going to do it. And so I wrote it and then I wrote another draft and then it sat for a a while. Um, Really what it needed was for me to keep gaining more tools and to find the right people. And then I did this past January, um, I came across my illustrator, um, who was showing up wanting to change her life because of her five-year-old daughter and, um, saw her on one of Mark England's Tuesday night lives and her daughter's there next to her. And I was like, I need to talk to her. (laughs) So, um, so we started talking and yeah, eventually I found out she was a graphic designer she designed language ninjas graphics for me. And then I also eventually, um, for a while I was sharing my book with some parents and being like, can you give me some feedback? Because only positive feedback has meant I'm doing nothing with this. Like (laughs) I haven't changed anything on it. So I shared the book with her and she was like, she loved it. And, um, when I found out she was a graphic designer, um, I was like, do you illustrate? And initially she told me no. And eventually after I went down another path and that path wasn't working as well, I came back and like, are you still a no on the illustration? She's like, no, I will do the, yes, I will illustrate. Like (laughs) I want to do it. I'm realizing now I want to do it. So the, um, the book is about this little girl named Olive who she life's great. She's living in town, um, where all her friends are around her, everything's good. And then her parents, her dad gets a new job and they move to a new city. And now like a lot of things are happening. There's a lot of change ultimately. So she's going through language. Like my life is ruined. I can't do this. Like everything's terrible. And she's, she's upset and she meets Oh, she, well, she meets a character and she learns about the power of her words. And so she's taught about what abracadabra means, which is with my words, I create, and she's taught how to change her words around and going from like, I had a terrible day to I had a terrible moment or like, this is okay. I can, they're being mean to me 
and I can be a friend to somebody else and I can go make my friends. So she gets to go through the book and learn how to, how changing her words actually helped her day and helped her make new friends and enjoy the new town that she's living in. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful and geared to uh, all ages, especially the big kids like us, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it, as an author myself, I've found like my favorite works are the ones that are geared in the playground, like being mm-hmm. a kid, right? I uh, look at look at us growing up, the, the Dr. Seuss, the Robert Munch, the Roald Dahl, that, th- those are the books that I remember. Mm-hmm. those are the books that are life lessons like I remember all of it and I still so how powerful is it to put that message out into the world geared towards a younger audience mm-hmm. and guess what parents get to read that and be like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you've got that cross parallel people will start to think right just yeah. like how movies like kids movies nowadays like there's that 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 storyline is geared to adults right it's mm-hmm. just like, this is the life lesson which at the end of the day, safe to say we're all kids. Right? Yeah. Some of us I'm, are just bigger and older kids. Right. I mean, how many, how many times do you go out and you're like, I just, I feel like a kid in adult body. <laughs> like Every day I, of my life. Yeah. Like I, I pride myself on that. Like that, yeah. I, I absolutely love that. I love the idea of changing the workplace to the mm. playground. Yeah. I love that idea because that inspires me to have fun when I'm, when I'm doing things. And if we all just took a little, stop talking at home, closer look at having more fun in our lives, mm-hmm. we'd realize like, that's what I mean. Like watch kids, watch kids bounce, watch kids play, watch. If we ran our lives like that in the adult business world, things would get done so mm-hmm. much more effectively and we'd have a good time doing it and we'd high five mm-hmm. each other and we wouldn't fall down and wait for the reaction. Yeah. You know what I mean, we'd fall down, we'd pick ourselves back up and carry on. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Cause that's, that's part of it. And I, I think that the fact that you've taken the time to put that into such a powerful message that I'm excited to, to see it. Where can we, uh, where can we find it? What can we do with it? How can I get a copy? How can, mm-hmm. how can listeners get a copy of, uh, of your book? What is, what's the book called? The book is called Abracadabra. I know what to do. Uh, so, and that's all with the power of the words and learning how to use our words. Um, if you're like, I want this and I want this right now over on my website, www.christianjoycoaching.com. Um, I, you can get a signed copy, uh, pre-ordered cause I don't have it yet, but, um, you can pre-order a signed copy, which I'm also in the process of buying little goodies to send with these signed copies. So there will be much love going into those ones <laughs> and Wonderful. there's much love in this book in general. So whether you Absolutely. get the ebook or the physical copy through Amazon, cause the ebook is currently available for pre-order on Amazon, the physical copy will be going up by November 24th at the latest. And yeah, if you want a signed pre-order, come over to my website and I will give it lots of extra love. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Kristen with two eyes. It is. It is. Enjoy. So you've got lots of love and you've got lots of joy, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's in your name. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. I can, oh man, I can just imagine how impactful that's going to be for the, like when it, it's fascinating to watch children work with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had the pleasure of doing it myself. And then also watching that's, 
that's the next crop, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if we were all using our words better and we could go into a whole nother episode on ancestral healing and all that. Yeah. And it's just like, that's the stuff that's going to change their world. And once we mm-hmm. change their world, that will translate to the rest of it. Very pirate mentality on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing with us all the amazing things that you're doing. I like to have a little fun uh, as, as we as we wrap things up. And yeah. I'd, I'd love to understand, like, you know, my walk up jams and, and how important music is. What's that dream bucket list show favorite band that you've yet to see and, and where, like where mm. do you want to go see that band or that festival, that lineup go wild. This is yours. Take it. Huh. So initially I'm like lane eight, but I could have gone to see them in Colorado recently. So <laughs> and I didn't, um, I, and I do still want to see lane eight. However, I would say like, um, if I'm really thinking, oh, I want to say closey would be who I'd really like to see where somewhere Somewhere beachy and warm um, would be great. Although I, I need to get to Red Rock and see that, have that experience. Cause that I hear is amazing. So, okay. I mean, anywhere at this point in time, Joshua <laughs> tree, Red Rock, so oh, like anywhere. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Something, something big, go, go big, go home. Right. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Okay, cool. Also yep. my own festival. I'm going to do my own festival in the future. That's the, that's the answer I'm looking for. There we go. That, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for that ticket too. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Man. I'd love, uh, I'd love the VIP pass on that one. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put me down. I'll, You're I'll, done. I'll do photos or something. I'll, I'll even, I'll even help out. I'll, I'm a great roadie. I'm a drummer. So I had to mm-hmm. always load gear anyway. So I'm, I'm in, put me in. Put All me right. In, okay. Yes. And final question. I know that deep down inside, you've got an inner rock star and I'd like to showcase that for the audience here today, because I know you've got your, your walk-up song mm-hmm. and I'd love for you to uh, radio DJ this one out so the listeners can hear your walk-up song. Before we get there, though, I'd love to give me uh, for you to give me a, a reason why Dream Bigger is, a, uh, is, is the jam for you and what that means to you as a walk-up song. Um, so Dream Bigger go, has a little, there's two sides to it. Like in, in Lifted Level 2, we needed a walk-up. We didn't need, we got to choose a, a walk-out song. And um, initially I really was trying to, trying to overthink it and be like, I need something that says these, these words. I'm very like, it's saying this thing. And then I stopped myself because I'd actually had a song that would come to mind when I w- had a zoom call, when I was going to like before working with a client, or if I was having group calls, this song would come to mind. And I was actually picturing myself walking out on stage, not into a zoom call with it. Um, when it was dream bigger. And so that song I would use to pump myself up when I was first working, um, with group calls and getting myself to be like, no, you can do this. And the image that was in my mind was me walking out happily on stage, like, Hey, here I am. And so that one, when it came to and lifted the level two of and lifted to is like, I have a song already. I've been using it. I'm going to stick with it. And when I started listening to it as well, it's only got a couple of sentences in it and it's basically dream bigger. And then 
So <laughs> dream bigger, fuck it, dream bigger, <laughs> like dream bigger and then keep going. Um, and then the other one is um, that the only person you should be comparing yourself to is the past version of yourself. So those are basically the two messages in the song. And then the rest is really good to dance to. That's perfect. Yeah, we, we heard a little bit when we started the, mm-hmm. uh, the conversation. Now, we'll let you intro that for the Music Fit podcast, just as that, in a sec, because that just spurred another question that I'm just pulling out here. If you had to tell somebody your number one hot pro tip in order to find that rock star that's within them, what is it? play that i mean <laughs> same as what you, we were saying is finding that thing that really lights that spark of joy so for me roller skating has been a big light of joy in this last year um flow flowing with the rope um once in a while with mace too um playing with five and six-year-olds, like getting on the ground and letting them lead the play. These things have all, for me, been what sparks my joy. And when I've realized, I've noticed, especially these last few weeks, the more that play is inspired, my cup is overflowing. Like things that I used to be tired and show up to and be like, I have a little energy. Now I'm coming into, I'm like, hey, hi, I'm here and I'm ready to go. What are we doing today? So yeah, paying attention to what lights that spark of joy and play and paying attention to those. And the more often that you feel it and you say yes to that, the more your cup gets filled, the faster your cup gets filled. And that inner rock star is like, that inner rock star is basically our inner child anyway, because kids want all the attention <laughs> so there you go that's, you that's, feed that inner child you feed that inner rock child star <laughs> the rock child there, rock there you child. go freud freud at his finest right there mm-hmm. the rock child <laughs> legend has it i was named after mick jagger so i i that's fully, amazing. fully believe everything you just said and that's just what a great place to close this thing down thank you so much for holding space thank you so much for your energy and time for uh for sharing with us I'm really excited about your book. You can find that over at kristenjoycoaching.com and uh, order, pre-order, guys. Get that thing. I'm going to drop links in the uh, in the show notes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna actually talk off air here about how we're we're gonna collapse. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned um, in the in the next week here, guys, and uh, and we're gonna have some really really great uh, some deals because that's what we that's what we all need. Mm-hmm. We got we got some good ways to to get this stuff out there. We got to get great education like this and great people and their messages out into the wonderful world Mm -hmm. to to help spread that love and joy so without further ado i'm going to let you put the radio voice on okay i want to hear the best Mm -hmm. radio voice let's let's i don't know are you going to go with jason state or are you (laughs) going to go more like you know Arnold schwarzenegger like i don't know (laughs) i don't know who your radio voice personality is but i'm ready for it right so my walkout jam is Dream Bigger by Axwell.
Guys, what a fire track. Kristen, thank you so much for your time and your space and your energy. Great conversation. If you guys like what you heard here, again, be sure to go pick up that pre-order over at our website, kristenjoycoaching.com. And guess what? That's right. I told you guys we got some deals. So if you do head over to Kristen's website, type in the code MUSICFIT. One 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 one. Yes, that's music fit eleven eleven. Get it? Numbers. Go to the go do that. You get a nice little discount. Just be sure to do that before November twenty fourth. Okay, that's when the discount done with that release. All right. So, boom. That's what you got. Okay. Perfect. Guys, be sure to check in. Stay tuned. Uh, if you're following me on Instagram, IG, and you can find me if you're not yet let's let's connect let's say hey hey what's up okay we'll do a nice little video message back to you you know throw you for a loop you can find me over on ig at my dude mike schwartz all right that's the easiest place to find me i'm also up on twitter tweets underscore m3 you can check out all my tunes up on the spotify or the apple wherever you're streaming these days and you know where to find me. Hey, at MikeTheSchwartz.com. Head out to the website, MikeTheSchwartz.com, for all your goods. And y'all stay sweet. All right, till next time. Peace. Yo, thank you so much for tuning into today's show. If you dig it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and rate and review the show. If you feel called to, please share it out with someone you care about that could benefit from the shit that we talk about. All right, That's how we bring about a higher collective consciousness. High tides raise all ships, right? For more info on me, please head to MikeTheSchwartz.com and you can also find me and my beats under The Rock Doctor M3 on your favorite streaming platform. All right, That's it for now. Till next time, y'all stay sweet. Peace.